somewhere. We'll find a new way of taking pictures. <laughs> Uh, hey, this is uh, episode six, for those of you keeping track of On Taking Pictures. Welcome. Thanks for being here. My name is Jeffrey Sidoris from FadedAndBlurred.com. And with me, with a lovely singing voice, is uh, New York editorial <laughs> portrait photographer and lounge singer, Bill Wadman. That's me. Hello. You know, it was kind of like the, uh, remember the, the Bill Murray character in, Star, in uh, Saturday Night Live when he sang yeah. the Star Wars theme? Yeah, it's great stuff. Yeah. We're old Star enough to remember Wars. that. Yeah. There was some guy died yesterday. Some, some Russian, guy. Well, I'm sure a <laughs> number of people died. Probably a lot died. of guys died yesterday, truth be told. Some Russian singer, oh, Heather had it up, where basically he would oh, the, sing the, the, Western the, songs, but not actually any words. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, apparently the government didn't like the whole like Western theme. So they just had to make him, they made him sing sounds and la 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 Yeah. yeah. Like nonsense. It's crazy. Fasc- it's fascinating. You but know, apparently he was uh, a, a big deal. He was big on Spotify. Really? No, like, I really? I don't know. You never know. That's the kind of <laughs> stuff that you like listen to in an elevator and you're like, really? Is he? Wait, he's not actually singing any words. <laughs> yeah, I don't as, know. As I get older, it feels like more and more of the young musicians actually are doing that day to day. So I'm like, what, what did he say? You don't even have to be able to sing now. Because of autotune? Because of autotune, sure. Yeah. Autotune yeah. can help. It's it's overused. None of this has anything to do with photography, but it's a thing. But it but it is it is, I think, a symptom of uh that that, that corresponds to photography because there's a lot of overusing of things like filters and posts and you know, and we'll get into that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh you know, I think that that came with the gear revolution in audio, that came with the gear like the sort of the digital revolution, right? Um, was it as dramatic in audio as, as it has been in photography? Um, yeah, arguably, well, I guess it's about the same because you still had the microphones, you still had the instruments, you still have the consoles, but the thing that changed pretty much was just the recording medium. You know, mm-hmm. you weren't recording to two inch tape anymore. You were recording to, uh, to, to DA 88s originally. And, and what was the other thing that Alesis, um, Oh, I forget what those are called. There was like an eight-track Alesis system, too, that everyone used to use, and you used to, like, tie them together. They were terrible. 16-bit. Yikes. They were bad. Um, but 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 it was funny because a couple weeks ago, I, for those who don't know, I, I went to music school, and I went to this uh, college up in Boston called Berkeley College of Music, and I have a degree in, in music composition and production. And I used to do a lot of work in the studios, and they have all this, like, really high-end stuff. There are all these, you know, SSL consoles and and all this kind of stuff. Um, and we, back when I was in school, we used to record everything to two inch tape, which was still like the normal thing back in the day. Uh, and then I was up there a couple weeks ago and we went walking around with one of my old professors and all of the rooms, there's no tape anywhere. Like it's all nowhere. digital now. It's all digital. And not only is it not D 88, it's not like digital tape. It's all computers, right? It's all pro wow. tools. And I guess mostly pro tools. Um, so even there, the dark room is gone. Essentially, yeah. Like essentially the equivalent of a dark room in a photo s- uh, school, like in a music school, like all the analog stuff is gone. 
Wow. Um, there was one room that had an analog tape deck, but the problem is you can't really buy tape anymore. Like two inch mm-hmm. tape, you can't get it. Um, much like you can't get film. I was, man, I was at Adorama yesterday and don't get me started on my book. Cause, Oh, I'm going to get you started on the book. Cause they killed me. They shot me in the foot. Um, uh, but I was at Adorama yesterday with my friend Claude and we went up to go pay for his stuff. And there is now the photo or the film rather desk is now behind the main registers. And it, it used to be like most of the stuff behind the main registers. It is now swear to God, Jeffrey, if it is eight feet across, I'd be surprised. And that's, that's Adorama's entire film. That's everything stock. Oh my gosh. And, uh, no more, you know, you made a comment, uh, who was it that was talking about the four by five stuff on, Oh, it was, uh, what's his name from England? Uh, Oh, uh, Carl Taylor. Yeah. It was Carl Taylor was talking about how four by five and all that kind of stuff and how it slows you down. And I was saying, I want to take my four by five out. And you said, do they still make instant film? And Fuji did made these, uh, instant film. It gave you a positive, like literally like a normal Polaroid out of the, Mm -hmm. out of the thing. Um, a four by five positive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, color. And then they had, which was like ISO 100. And then they had a really fast, like 3200 black and white, which is actually really contrasty. Um, anyway, they, they, they had, they are sold out of the four by five and apparently it's been discontinued. Wow. So did you, uh, as, as, you way, have, as, as well as like four by five used to be able to get, uh, if you were shooting regular film, like these quick load and speed loaders, essentially like a sheet of film with the blo- with the dark slide and everything built into it so that you could easily just put it in and open it up and take the picture so and close it, it down. Back yeah. And go, you didn't yeah. have to like auto like hand load all of your things and then take out all the exposed film in the dark and all that kind of stuff. It was sort of like all like built in. They don't make any of those anymore. So if you want to shoot four by five or bigger, you literally have to like go back to 1950 and load piece by piece. Like slice uh, by slice. You know, they just, I just read the other day too, the, the last batch of Kodak Plus X film, like yeah. movie film movie was film. used uh, on an independent uh, kind now of horror film. That's black and white, right? Black and white, yeah. yeah. Um, but last, that's end of an era. I mean, I, I remember using Plus X a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, this this thing, it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, we talked about Saul Leiter last week. Mm-hmm. Um, who apparently, uh, your girl is like in love with, Oh, he, is she going yeah, to, is she, she going to leave you for Saul Leiter? Because the dude's 91 for anyone at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, she, uh, she really, it really affected her. The, the emotional connection was, was really there. And so much so that she did, uh, our new spotlight, uh, at Fade and Blurred on Saul Leiter. And there are, I don't know. 30 or so photos that we, that we posted of Saul's, but she really, you picked good ones. Yeah. She really likes them. Thank you. Um, and it's interesting because Nikki shoots, for those of you who don't know, Nikki shoots, uh, a lot of macro flowers, nature. Um, but she does it in such a way that it's, it's, it's very dimensional. It's got, it's the photos have a lot of depth to them. So s- seeing her reaction to Saul Leiter, who is uh, a street photographer, uh, completely different than what you know she is normally shooting uh, was really kind of cool, and um, she's out kind of trying. In fact, I think she's out shooting right now, uh, trying some street stuff, just trying to see a little differently and and let let that work 
inform and inspire what she would normally shoot to kind of stretch a little, which I think is important. Is it, you know, it's, it's good sometimes to go out with like a single prime lens, do some street photography. And really I found that it's good for just sort of training your eye to make something out of the world, you know, Mm -hmm. on how to frame stuff so that it looks like something. So even if it's just the, you know, the different doors in a building or windows or the way the lines of the fire escapes line up, or if you're in the country, you know, the way trees are, you know, next to this barn, like just trying to make a composition out of the world as it is, Mm -hmm. uh, is good training. Um, But uh, the reason I brought Saul Leiter up (laughs) is the fact that, I mean, these guys were shooting Kodachrome. Right. And, and Kodachrome had, uh, you know, a dynamic range of about eight stops. Um, which, which, you know, people complain that, oh, you know, the new 5D3 doesn't have much more of a dynamic. It's only 12 stops. It's like, well, you're already way beyond yeah. <laughs> anything these guys were even imagining, you know. Uh, and part yeah. of the reason why their pictures have that look is because of that more compressed dynamic range, you know, um, because things were so contrasty and saturated and uh, dark things went to black and white things went to white. So the stuff in the middle... Uh, it's sort of like the, the, the less you have, the less of a range that you have to capture, the more that the range that you do capture is higher contrast. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if all you need is those, those five or six or seven middle stops of latitude, uh, not latitude dynamic range in the middle, like those can be go all the way from black to white. And that's why you get those rich colors and things that come out of a lot of these, uh, films. Same thing is in many ways true of slide film. Because slide film uh, has a has a pretty small uh, dynamic range as well, um, but it's just kind of you know, ah, Saul Leiter, he's good stuff. If yeah. you guys missed last week, you should either go listen or go check out the um, show notes because uh, on ontakingpictures.com, dot there's uh, show notes and and you can uh, you can take a look at these. They're pretty great. And, and if anyone's got a copy of of uh, Saul Leiter's book Early Color that they want to send in. That, that'd be great, too. <laughs> oh, you want a copy? <laughs> I would like to see what's in it. I'd like to see the prints. Well, you know, come, we, come look at mine. The funny thing about that book is that it's small. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like it's, uh, eight by eight inches or nine by nine inches. It's, it's, it's tiny. Not, yeah, and then the prints on the pages are basically like four by six. But there's still something about the print. You know, I've talked about printing before. Sure. And you know, we got a chance to go up to the Getty over the past weekend and see um, the uh, the Herb Ritz yeah. exhibit. I still They've got don't understand there. why he's showing his stuff at a gas station, but well, you know, it's it, it's a really nice AMPM right at the base of where you turn to go up to the Getty. Okay, cool. So they're you know he's, it's location, location, location. Yeah. Uh, no, it the, the photographs are absolutely beautiful, big, and and big seeing um, yeah, sixteen by twenties, you know, right in that range. Okay. Um, some a little bigger, some a little smaller, uh, but they're all gelatin prints. And uh, you know, one of the things that I that I found interesting was how how non tack sharp most of them are, or many of them. I won't sure. say most, but many of them are not tack sharp. But you connect to them on such an emotional level, yeah. um, whether it's movement or the form or you know just how he's positioned his models and how they were lit with such stark you know, light. Cause a lot of times he would just, you know, set up a white backdrop, go out into the desert and shoot with sunlight. Sure. Uh, so you have these really rich contrasty, just absolutely gorgeous images. I, he, I was really glad we got a chance to see them close up. He, he was in the sun. Avedon was in the shade. 
but good stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, and you, you went up there with some other photographers too, right? Yeah, there was, there was, there was a group of us. We went up and um, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. They, they had just reopened the gardens at the Getty. And if, you, if you've never been to the Getty, they've got these beautiful spiral gardens um, that uh, are, are just absolutely stunning. And they, they maintain them and close them for maintenance rather and just reopened them, I think, two weeks ago. Uh, so it was really nice to see everything was in bloom and, you know, the waterfall was working. So it was, an, it was a fun day. Yeah, I like, uh, I like the Getty. I've been there a few times. Um, you know, so did between Saul Leiter and uh, the Herbert stuff, did you find that you were inspired? Absolutely. Because you and I have talked about this before offline, and I thought we should have a little discussion about it here. Uh, is is do, do you find inspiration in other people's work, or do you find inspiration in non-photographic stuff? Uh, what, what happens when you don't have it? You know, do you go up and down? I, I, I do go up and down a lot. And I, you know, I come from a design background, a theater background. So I'm kind of all over the map with, with my influences or, or my references, I guess you could say anyway. But I, I tend to find personally more inspiration in away from photography. I, I I like photography. I'm, there are a, a number of photographers that I'm that I'm very drawn to, but I tend to look at painting uh, and sculpture more than I do photography for inspiration. I think that that's probably not a terrible idea. No, I, I mean I th- I think it's you know I, I think a lot of photographers do. I don't want to say get stuck because that's that's implying that it that, that they are stuck. But I think a lot of photographers. They read photography magazines. They read photography books. They're looking at photography websites. They're looking at photography tutorials. And there's just this sort of loop of photographic input that, though important or, or potentially even helpful, doesn't allow you to see the other things out there that could inspire you equally, if not more, like sure. dance or film or art yeah. or, you know, Photography's not art. <laughs> no, it's well, true. Maybe your photography. Um, I, I, a lot of people look at my work or look at the stuff that I put out and they think that I put a lot of work out there that I, that I'm fairly prolific, um, photographer. And it's kind of funny to me because I feel most of the time, like I'm slacking off, you know, I feel like I should be making, an image or two a day that is good enough that I would show it to everyone. And I don't always do that. There are spurts when I'm doing one or two a day. Um, do you try and shoot every day regardless of whether you, you display or post anything? There are uh, no pretty much whenever I shoot, I put something up. So if, if, if you don't see a lot of work from me on my blog or something, it's probably because I'm not shooting. Um, which is kind so of sh- what are you doing? Are you out getting input? Are you what are you just kind of taking a break? Are you do you live in a vacuum otherwise? What do you what are you doing outside of that? Uh <laughs> I wallow in my own depression and failure. <laughs> um I stay balled up under the coffee table. Well, you know what? There's some of that, you know? There's 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 some of sometimes I look at other people's work and I am floored and I get excited 
There are other times when I look at other people's work and I get floored and I go and curl up underneath the table. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, and, 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 and it's funny because it could be equally good photographs. It depends on my mood, right? Sure. Sure. Um, but I, I've learned over the years not to beat myself up if I'm not feeling creative, that, that creativity is a muscle. And if you use it every day, you will build up sort of a, sort of like, you know, going to the gym, you know, once, once you, if you start running every day, you can get to the point where if in the beginning you couldn't even run a half mile, running a half mile is nothing, you know, even on your bad days, you know, if you keep going to the gym, um, so in the same way, photography is that way. And I go through spurts. I mean, I, I shot uh, 365 portraits where I, you know, took pictures every day for a year. Um, last year, 2007, I was posting a picture a day for a year. And then in December, I did all those uh, more, uh, adva- you know, higher time suck portraits. Uh, last year every- wasn't 2007, though. Uh, I said 2011, sorry. In 2007, <laughs> I did 365 portraits. And then last year, I did another daily thing. Um and I like doing the daily things because there's no, there's no excuse, right? You have to make yourself make something. Um, and a lot of, there are a lot of creative people who go in spurts and don't make anything for a very long time and then get inspired and just blow out, you know, genius. Sure. You know? Um, but I think in the interim, it's important to stay, I don't, not to stay inspired, but allow yourself to be inspired, to immerse yourself in become a fan of someone else, become a fan of, of a number of people and follow them and look at them and appreciate them and sort of distill whatever the medium is, distill that and apply it to your own work. Yes. And that would be ideal. Personally, I find that I often am unable to do that. Well, it's because you don't live anywhere that's got any inspiration. There's really nothing going on in New York. Um, <laughs> I walk around. I carry my camera. It's like <laughs> streets are empty. There's is- only 30 million people here during the week. Um, <laughs> but but at the same time, sometimes that kind of overstimulation is also daunting because you almost don't know where to start. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and and everywhere you look, potentially in New York City, there's some great work being posted by someone, whether it's sure. sculpture or art or painting or, yeah. or you know, yeah. whatever the medium is, you can't throw a stone without hitting somebody's amazing work. And you just go, ah, oh, shit, really? Really? Yeah. Right. And, and, and a lot of times that's very discouraging, right? Um, I also have gotten to the point where I, I kind of like, not that, not that I am Steve Vai, but do you know who Steve Vai is? Guitar player? Yeah. He was in that Ralph Macchio movie, right? Uh, he was in Crossroads. Very, very good. <laughs> All right. Um, Steve Vai, for those of you who don't know, is this monster, monster guitar player. Um, and there, there's these like there are these stories of him when he was younger, shredding, as they say, basically practicing for eight, ten, twelve hours a day, just like doing nothing but playing guitar. Uh, chords and scales your fingers and hurt by the end of that i'm sure your fingers I mean, wouldn't, would bleed they, wouldn't by they the end of it bleed? yeah yeah wow uh, i knew a guy at berkeley who practiced so much that he had to actually stop playing bass for six months because his tendons and his arms like seized up wow yeah these are crazy people um but the point is that he when he was younger he used to shred 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 and he he would became this incredible technician now not everyone likes the way steve i plays but they all admit that he can play you know mm-hmm. um 
And and the way I think about it is that I doubt that Steve Vai still sits and plays for eight hours a day, you know, but he did play for eight hours a day and he got good enough to where he doesn't have to play for eight hours a day in order to maintain it. Mm-hmm. Sort of the sense? 10, the 10,000 hour rule or 50,000, yeah, whatever it is. Sure. Right. Um, so I feel confident that when I do pick up a camera, I can do what I want to do with it. Oftentimes when I take pictures, I'm inspired to take more pictures. So sometimes it's just sort of getting energy in the flywheel and trying to get it going again, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which if it stops is very frustrating. But you, you've got, I mean, to be fair, you've got other creative outlets. You've got music as a creative outlet, um, which, which is on many levels so different than photography, but it's still a creative outlet. So if yeah. you're not... I have striptease. I have all, all kinds that, of things. That's, that's true. Bill will be at Cheetah's on Thursday <laughs> evening. Um, no, you, you know, you, you've got a way to express yourself, whereas maybe somebody who's got all of their creative eggs in the photography basket, for example, when, when they feel uninspired or that their work's not any good, where do they go? True. You know, you can take a break from it. Um, I, I will often take a break and go paint or I'll, I'll draw or, or whatever if I'm just not feeling like I'm doing anything with a camera. And I am not a photographer by any means. I am, I am every bit the amateur, the enthusiast. I, I wouldn't put myself in a professional category at all. But photography for me started out as the thing that I did when I was frustrated with what I was doing. Hmm. Um, you see what I'm saying? It, yeah, it, it, yeah. it used to be the escape. Um, but now it's become... It's become the job or is it still something, I mean, well, you know, be as you, honest as you want to be. Is it still something that you're passionate about doing? I'm passionate about it and I enjoy doing it. Um, but there is, there is a tension between doing the work you want to do and doing the work that people want you to do or doing the work that people expect you to do because it's what you did before. You know, mm-hmm. I love this portrait of Joe Schmo that you took. I want one just like it. It's like, well, I took that picture three years ago and I don't really even shoot like that anymore. Right. Or it was inspired by Joe Schmo's personality, which is completely different than yours. Oh, that, that, that has happened to me. I, I, I was hired by a guy and I, I, my assistant and I flew up to go shoot him at his place in the middle of nowhere in upstate New York. And, um, the building we were shooting in was this, crappy like 100 year old building and his office was redecorated in the early 80s and hadn't been done since then with terrible fluorescent lighting and I brought lights but still the the ceilings were like 7 feet so I couldn't get lights up above him easily you mm-hmm. know his suit was like 20 years old and uh, I took these pictures of him and I thought that they came out pretty good considering what I was working with they were pretty good um he hated them and refused to pay and wow, because he hated the work. Yeah, he, he didn't like the work. And now I can probably honestly count on my two hands the number of clients I've had who were really unhappy, who were actually unhappy with their work, mm-hmm. with my work rather. To um, the point where they refused to pay? Uh, yeah, yeah. Or, or even, you know, where they were just like, oh, these aren't really what, I, you know, that kind of half, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but the, the, very few. Most people are pretty happy with the work I do. So it really, really takes it out of me when somebody doesn't like my work. And if they don't like my work so much that they refuse to pay for it, that's even like 
I mean, that's just a slap across the face, yeah, right? That's a kick in the teeth there. So we paid to go all the way up there, and and we had we had you know we got paid like twenty five percent just to you know, and that ended up co- like covering the travel fees and stuff, you know. So was um, that the way it was left? You just said, well, you know, I'm sorry. Well, it became it. this thing where it's like, okay, well, I could sue you for it, you know, because we have a signed agreement, you know. But like, what am I going to do? Sue him and spend five grand to get five grand? Right. You know, that's just that just gets silly. Um, he wanted the, he wanted the deposit back. That's how upset he was. Now this guy was like this like jerk businessman who had like gone bankrupt a number of times and then found a business and made a few million dollars and like thought he was like king of the world. Was it um, Donald Trump? Did you photograph Donald Trump? Yeah, it was Donald Trump. <laughs> and he I was trying to, to keep names you. out of it, but uh, right. yeah. Um, anyway, the the point being is that I mean I remember him saying because we went back a few times, back and forth a few times, and we were kind of coming up with a way that we could make it work with the pictures that I did take, you know, like, Oh, can we retouch this differently or that kind of, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, he, uh, said, Oh, you know, I really love this picture of this other guy. Now the other guy was some super high end businessman. I shot for, um, uh, business week. And the guy was like a, uh, a huge, like fun trader. The guy was worth like a billion dollars. And it's like, his suit costs more than your entire fortune, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, not really. Okay. But the That's art on the wall, suit. the art on the wall behind him probably costs more than this other guy's fortune, you know? Right. And it's kind of like, well, you're not that guy. You don't look like that guy. You're not that cool. Your suit's not that nice. And this, and the setting was terrible. Like I can't make something out of nothing. I'm not a, you know, like, you know, when the oil painters of old used to, you know, paint some queen or something like that. And then they, and there's all these like written up things that say, apparently she was actually 400 pounds heavier than this painting. Right. And her nose was actually large wearing enough that burlap, not yeah, taffeta. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you can't do that with photography. You can work with what you have. Um, so there are situations like that where something goes south, goes really sour. Um, and that, nope can what take the wind out process? of my, Oh, that destroys me. Like I okay. can't function for days. I have knots in my stomach. Uh, I, I'm angry. I like, I, I, I strike back in my own head. You know, I usually don't yell all that much, but See, I, and that's, you know, I mean, it, it, on paper. Okay. Yeah. You, you can redo that. You, yep. you could, if you could, if you could have come to some term, you, you could in theory have either met somewhere or gone up. Oh, and, oh and we offered to have him come down here to reshoot and he wouldn't do it because he's so busy, which of course he's not. Well, okay. uh, and, and then, Regardless, and then he like, wanted me to go back up there and pay my, out of my pocket to come reshoot it. Okay. <laughs> it was yeah, good. Anyway, that's fine. Go ahead. Regardless. My, my point is, you know, I have, though I couldn't do it. And, and I've seen very few people who do it really, really, really well. Yeah. The whole idea of, of wedding photography where you've got one shot at this, I can't even imagine that level of pressure. Yes. Um, true. No, true. I mean, uh, I think digital cameras have really helped that just because you can actually see what you have Mm -hmm. while you're shooting and you're not shooting film where, you just hope you metered correctly, um, but it's got to take the wind out of you. I mean, uh, it does. And I mean, look, there there are times when I'm shooting for some, you know, magazine or whatever, where it's you know I have five minutes or ten minutes with these people, and I have to leave, and then the magazine's like, all right, where are the pictures? You know, 
Um, or you get a call from the art director saying, eh, this isn't the direction we wanted you to yeah, go in. Do you have any more like this? And it's like, well, I only got to shoot 60 pictures of him in the five minutes I was with him. So no, there aren't any more like that. Right. Know? Right. Um, which, you know, usually, uh, usually my clients, my editorial clients, I've never really had any really big problems with, you know, there are times when people choose pictures that I wouldn't have chosen. You know, there, there was uh, years ago, I shot uh, some pictures of uh, this author, Jhumpa Lahiri, and um, for the, this magazine up in Boston. And the pictures that they ended up using were like, really? Those are the ones you want? Like, obviously, this picture and this picture are the best. And you guys chose, like, you know, alternates down the line a ways. Mm. Um, but then, and I was, a, I, and this was one of my my first, like, big editorial shoots um, years ago. And I remember being very upset about it. And then uh, a number of other magazines, because apparently the author, she really liked the pictures, so her agent sent them out to all these other people. And like Time and Le Monde and all these other places wanted pictures from the shoot. And they all chose the ones that I really liked. So it's sort of like, okay, well, you can't, you know, you can't uh, explain away opinion and, and taste, you know. Um, but But I guess the trick is to not let that kind of stuff affect you, you know. Um, but how can it not at some point? I mean, on, on some level, how I have, can it I have, not? Well, I've gotten less emotional about it. Okay. Um, I used to, like I said, I used to get really angry and sort of. What about the changes in the climate in general? You're a portrait photographer, you're editorial photographer, you're yeah. living in New York. The competition has, has yeah. increased exponentially yeah. for what you do in the past Ten five years. years. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, how, how do you, how do you stay relevant? How do you, it's, it's certainly uh, harder to explain to people why you are worth more money than the guy who just bought a camera last week, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and that seems to be happening industry wide, not just portraits, not just weddings, but of course, no photojournalism. Yeah. I mean, virtually everywhere. Uh, yeah. partially because the barrier of entry is lower, yeah. partially because of the perception, I think, of what the lifestyle of a professional photographer is. But I not, think that contributes to it. Sure. And not even, yeah, everyone thinks it's going to be all hunky-dory and you, you know, walk around with your camera and people pay you gobs of cash. Um, and, and a lot of it, a lot more of it is business and editing and dealing with emails and phone calls than it is actually taking pictures. Um, mm -hmm. But certainly that that's a problem. I mean, it's it's what's what I find strange about it though is um, is is I mean, there's the whole equipment issue, right? Like you know, you have five grand, you could go buy, say ten grand, you could go buy a similar kit to what I have in my bag, and I take places, you know. But just because I went and bought a Viking stove doesn't mean that I can cook, you know. Right. And and right. I think that that's, and no one would expect somebody if they just you know, oh, he just bought a stove and some really nice all clad pans, so. Obviously, I'm going to have him come cook the my this you know really elegant meal at my house for me and six other couples. Like, no, they'd say, "Can I see, you know, can I taste some of your food first? Mm -hmm. Um Where I think but a lot this, of this photographers is a big issue. Yeah, you know, it's a huge issue. This this idea of photography or or the idea of of well, that know, was CNN's whole thing, right? They like got rid of all their photographers and editors, and they just said, "Oh, we're just going to rely on." the visitors to our site to do this eye reporting stuff. 
Sure. You know, oh, you it's, happen it's, to be it, there when this bad thing happened? Take pictures and upload them on us and we'll put them up and you'll be famous. Yeah. It's like, no. Yeah. It, it's the sort of reality TVification of news and journalism. Sure. Um, and you know what's happened? CNN's ratings have plummeted in the past, like, year. I mean, they're, they've are they gone way down. Uh, mm-hmm. And maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe it's got nothing to do with it. But, it, I mean, it's the same thing with all these, uh, with advertisements, too, you know? Oh, we need a new ad for Hershey's. Well, we're going to do a contest, and whoever makes the best ad is the one that gets aired, and, like, you're giving it to us for free. So, essentially, you're doing right. hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of work for them for nothing. And we're going to give you $500 worth of chocolate. Right. You know, um, but then, okay, great. You get the $500 worth of chocolate and you think that it's going to be a big entry. Oh, see, people will notice me and then I'll start getting paid work. Well, there isn't as much paid work because of people like you who did that in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on the one hand, I'm, I'm all for the sort of democratization of uh, photography from a technology standpoint, but it's that very democratization that is in part really changing the industry and not not from not always for the better i mean i i'm i'm outside of it i mean we you know i i'm not a photographer but i write about it and and you know we follow it and and that kind of thing but i'm i'm not in the trenches like so many other people are having jobs taken away from them or or you know their divisions being closed or whatever well how much Um, yeah but how much other stuff uh designing websites how many people end up just using an off the shelf $100 uh WordPress theme. Yeah. It, that that swapping has out the logo and you know that I mean so I think it's happening everywhere. I guess yeah, the big it, question is if you democratize all of this stuff, all creation becomes democratized cuz anybody can do it because it's cheap to there's a cheap low barrier to entry. Sure. And no one wants to pay for it because they can get it cheap. Okay, so no one's making stuff like creative stuff. No one's making physical goods because you know, it's too expensive to hire people. So you have robots and stuff do it. So what is anybody actually ever doing? Pretty soon you're going to have things like that Watson computer going and doing the work of say, uh, associate lawyers, associates, you know, or, or, or doctors or, you know, diagnosticians and that kind of stuff. So at a certain point, it's becomes a question of like, how does anybody ever become an expert if they can't actually do anything because no one can ever pay them for it or machines are doing it for cheaper or better, you know, Mm -hmm. like what Mm -hmm. kind of world are we going to live in? What kind of, what is what are people going to do for a living? You know, once, once all the low end stuff gets taken away and the theoretically, the thing that everyone says, Oh, well content is King, but it doesn't seem like the world puts content on any kind of pedestal. If anything, it just sees it as a big giant puddle of noise, a sea of, of stuff, you know, um, and not to say there's not good stuff in there, but like it, it just, it becomes interesting. Yeah, it definitely does there. And that's daunting from an inspiration point of view too. Cause you're like, okay, I'm going to make this stuff for what? Well, I, I think at, at the core, you've got to do it for yourself. Sure. You, you, you don't do it, uh, to chase money. You don't do it so that you can get, you know, 10,000 followers on, on Twitter or whatever. Um, yeah. because I don't know that, that those things really translate well. I don't know. Did you see the, um, um, the making Wonderland post about, uh, Kirstie Mitchell, the girl that does the real elaborate, uh, costumed portraits. Uh, have I'm not seen sure this? if I have. Is okay. it on your um, site? Yeah, it's on our site oh, from uh, a couple of days ago, uh, okay. two weeks ago. Um, this, this girl, um, uh, 
her mother, she lost her mother. Um, and as her way of dealing with that loss, as her way of processing the grief, and grief is something that you and I have talked about. Um, Endlessly. Pr- definitely more offline than online. Sure. Um, but she sort of retreated into this fantasy world and started making photographs to express this alternate world that gave her comfort. Wow. Uh, and it's turned into this three-year project. Uh, it's been covered by, you know, Petapixel, Huffington Post, uh, you know, any number of, of um, sites. It's been picked up for a book deal. She's, you know, she's, she's, she's used this insane amount of grief yep. and channeled it into the best work that she's done so far. Sure. What's her name? Uh, Christy Mitchell, Kirsty Mitchell. I'm sorry, Kirsty okay. Mitchell. Okay. Uh, and the, she's she's got a book deal. The book is called Wonderland. It's going to be absolutely beautiful, I think. Um, KirstyMitchellPhotography.com for those who want to uh, to check that out. Um, but it's just it's it's something I, I think you're seeing more personal projects become springboards for the rest of someone's career. Uh, I agree, but I guess my other thing is that I think that there, for every one that gets traction, I think that there is a hundred thousand of them that get no. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, uh, the the Tutu Project is another one. I don't know if you right. have you seen this. I don't know if I have. Um, photographer's wife was diagnosed with uh, cancer, uh, and he started doing these these photographs of himself in a pink tutu. <laughs> in variety of different locations, Ra- you know, raising awareness, raising money. Sure. Oh, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I've seen these. You know, yeah. they, the guy's been on the Today Show. They've sure. been on, you know, all the morning shows. But again, it started out as as a personal project that has overshadowed now really the rest of what he does as a portrait photographer. Um, and I'm not saying it's good or bad, but I think you still need to be true to you. Sure. I think you still need to chase those projects um, you know, John, John Keatley said in, in an interview with him, he said that, that his personal work, he shoots the kind of work he wants to shoot professionally in his personal work. And that's yes. why he gets those types of jobs is because he's showing that, that he's, he's thinking through these, these creative issues and these creative sort of constructs that he gives himself and ends up producing this amazing work. Uh, yes. And well, well, what's, what's interesting about it is that I think sometimes that happens and then sometimes, I mean, even uh, with my own stuff, the the motion pictures are the thing that has gotten more traction than anything I've done as far as like press goes. Um, but those were things, I don't think it's my best work and I don't think that it's, uh, it's not the work that I would want to have noticed mm-hmm. the way it has been. So in some ways you don't really, you don't get to choose the things that people like, you know, um, oh, I, I agree with that 100%. Um, and, and I don't, you know, once you create the work and put it out there into the world, yeah. to, a, to a large degree, you have no more control over, you know, you don't, you don't know what's going to strike, what's not going to strike. I completely agree with you on that. True. And, and sometimes you just, you just have to do, you, you're right, you have to do it for yourself. You have to assume that nothing's going to come of anything. Because uh, that's the only the work. Because the only time, the times that I've tried to make something come of something have never worked. Mm-hmm. The times that I've just done it and just kept plodding along 
those are the times that it gets noticed. And I don't know if that's a function of I'm doing them for longer. Maybe they're better ideas. Um, maybe it's but, just but maybe you it's just the that, fact that I'm not trying that makes it magical in some way. You know? Haven't you found that that those personal projects? Well, use Drabbles for an example. Sure. Haven't you found that Drabbles? Just the, the the idea of going through those pieces and creating those pieces have led to prof- directly led to professional work. Um, funny enough, no, really, yeah. See, that that surprises me. I, it's <laughs> believe me, it surprises me too. Um, the the work that people hire me for um, are usually much more straightforward portraits than I would ultimately like to make. Um. I would love to do more work like that for say advertising clients and that kind of stuff. But most of the mm-hmm. times for advertising clients, I'm taking pretty boring photos, you know, in, in the, in the photo scheme of things. Right. Um, You're not doing these, these huge, uh, large scale composite right. campaigns or the, something. The, the thing that I find funny about it is that a lot of people will look at say those pictures and think that they involve a lot of time, which they do and a lot of money, which they don't. You know, most of those pictures were taken with me and a couple other people holding speed lights or, you know, something real low budget like that. Mm -hmm. Um, If I had $50,000 to go do that shot, could I have done a better job? Sure. I'm, I'm, you know, if I, if I could shut down the street and move things around and, and, and have big lights with battery packs and, and scrims and people doing makeup. Sure. Um, I could do that even better. Um, So, so put it in perspective. What, what is for you, what is the net gain then? from of, those projects of doing it, that kind of just, conceptual stuff. Is it just the experience of it? It's, it's well, the, the, I find it satisfying. I find it artistically satisfying that I'm leaving the world with objects that I've made. Mm-hmm. And those kinds of pictures come straight out of my head for lack of a better word. Sure. Um, like I, I had an idea. I made it real and now there's a piece of paper that has this image on it. And after I die, this paper, piece of paper will still be there. And maybe somebody will notice it and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that I have something to show for my life and my time alive, um, which is really sad. But that's, that's how I think about it. Um, now, what, what I does it, I don't know that it's, I mean, not what's sad. sad it's, 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 it's not tragic. I guess it's it's a little not pessimistic. It's just sort of um I don't know. I, I, I am I am fine with the idea that no one will notice this stuff while I'm alive. And maybe they won't notice it after I'm dead either. But just the idea that I have made something that wasn't there before and now there is something there, that is satisfying to me. And the reason why I do what I do versus the sort of art direction advertising stuff that I used to do. Cause yeah, okay, something was there after I made something, but it wasn't mine and I wasn't doing it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the thing that it does that doing this work does do is that when the right client comes around that needs that project or that look, I am very, very good at it now, you know? So there is, there is that, that I, that like, I feel comfortable with that toolbox that I've created by doing these personal projects. And that, that happens all the time, you know? Um, and I think a, you, you know a lot of photographers. Is that common? Do you think that's common among your peers? That whole thing, the fact, the whole that they, thing of 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 doing the personal projects just for the sake of doing them. Um, 
Or is there so much pressure? I think I think I am more idealistic than a lot of my peers. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of my peers are 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 event photographers, wedding photographers, sure. newspaper guys, um, and gals. Uh, much more of a um, it's 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 much more of a putting in the hours kind of thing, mm-hmm. where. I try to see what the stuff that I do for myself. I try to see much more as I'm sitting down with a canvas and I'm painting rather than I'm going out and taking pictures. Right you now. But, but knowing that, that nothing may come of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Go, going back to Saul Leiter for a minute, he did a, a talk in Germany um, earlier this year. And uh, somebody asked him as I'm sure he gets asked a lot, you know, what, what advice would you give um a photographer just starting out. I and, don't know that yeah, I take I pictures. He just kind of, he just started giggling and he said, you know, marry someone with money or, or find a rich uncle or yeah. something because yeah. it's, it's, it's changed so much that it's not, so, it's, it's not something that you're going to be able to count on making a living from yeah, and, necessarily. And Jay Maisel said the same thing. He said, you know, if, 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 if I was getting started today, I wouldn't bother because there's no money in it. You know, and these are these are big guys. Now, that's obviously not entirely true. There are people making good livings doing photography today. But I would argue that they are not just photographers. They um, are, you know, they're they're they're. I think they're equal parts savvy business or savvy marketing people, or they've got that team of people around them. I think that they always have. I think that it's just more visible now. Okay. Um, I think that back in the day, day, like, you know, there were people like Cartier-Bresson walking around taking pictures and getting, you know, getting rich, but Cartier-Bresson was already rich. He's like, he's, you know, his parents like own Peugeot or something. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, it's, he was never working anyway. Um, so he essentially found somebody who was, who was rich. Um, but you've got people like, I'll use Chase Jarvis as an example. Yes. A photographer, but also pretty savvy businessman. You know, puts yeah. in a lot of time, puts in a lot of work, he but puts has in a lot created, of time, puts in a lot of work. Yes. Put, put, you know, yeah. To put these things together has created, excuse me, has created a um, juggernaut. Yeah. I mean, with, with best camera, with creative live. Um, I mean, there was, there was a time not long ago when it was hard to imagine somebody challenging the empire of Kelby, for example. Sure. No, no, no. And, and those people are out there, but you're right that they are less photographers than they are sort of media moguls. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you could even argue that Joe McNally's gone that direction. You know, uh, he's doing less work himself for clients than he is doing work, uh, doing workshops and, and mm-hmm. those kinds of mm-hmm. things, you know, uh, or I, writing books right. or, or I, I, ha- I write a lot of stuff and I do my workshop that I've done and, and my talks and stuff, but I, I'd rather be shooting, you know, I mean, I do those things just because there's something different and they keep it exciting. And yeah, there's, you know, a little money in it, but not really any money in it. You know, it's more that I enjoy talking to other people about photography. Um, but, but that's the point. There, there's not really any money in any one of these avenues anymore. That you have to do all of them. Right. I there, think there, there, there are there's people. There's got to be a diversity. There. there are people in like the ad industry who make good money doing photography. Sure. Um, or fashion. Yeah. There are people who just do photography and yeah. do it fine. I would imagine Melissa Rodwell is, you know, right. or, or Testino yeah. or, you know, any number of these fashion photographers oh, are doing okay. I love, did you ever, did you watch that behind the scenes thing with Cosmo? 
or Vogue rather when, when Mario Testino was taking pictures of somebody and you get them back and they didn't like him. They're like, what, why aren't there pictures in front of the Coliseum? He's just like, I tried it. It just didn't work. Yeah. It just, uh, the light yeah, was I not tried right it. For it. I did not like for me. Um, he's genius. Uh, you're right. But you know what, you know what's funny? And this is the intangible, right? So even if it's not about money, there's this intangible thing there that says when I do good work, even if it's for me, and, and I'm working, let's say I went out and I shot some idea that I had that day and I came home and I edited it down and it was really clicking. Like it's really happening. It's like bang, 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 bang. And it's like, mm-hmm. I'm in this flow thing and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it and I finish it and I hit save and I export it up to Dropbox. So it's somewhere else. And I put it up on my blog and I send a link out there. And even if no one looks at it, just like putting it up there and finish saying this is finished, right? Those days that I do that and I f- have that feeling, I have a smile on my face while I'm going to sleep. Absolutely. And and that and that Absolutely. to me and I sort of, you know, I've made money and I haven't made money in my life and that is the only thing that has consistently made me happy in a, mm-hmm. in a on a, on like this higher plane. You know, other than the relationships with my friends and my partner and whatnot, you know, but just like professionally like in what I do, that to me is worth the trade-off of the ups and downs and the question marks and the and the and the the debag clients who don't want to pay mm-hmm. and like that feeling that there there's there's something new in the world because I made it because I decided to you know um it, 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 that that means more to me than all the rest of the stuff um. So you know that's what I'm looking for when I'm looking for inspiration. I'm looking to get that. F- to get an idea to make something that makes me feel like that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that that's hard to do, you know? Um, it's absolutely hard to do, especially when you factor in all of the pressures of I've bought all this gear or I've got a family that, yeah, that are counting on me, you know? Yeah. It's, um, it's, and, and, and in some ways, those are the reasons why I keep, I try to keep my life fairly simple because I don't want the the weight of all of those other things to make it to force me to do stuff that I don't want to do in order to maintain them. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. But but knowing, I I think knowing you well enough to know that you would if you had to. It's just I mean I think anybody would if they oh, if they had sure, to. Sure. But but if but if but if it's my decision. For example, I don't have a pet. Right. I don't have mm-hmm. a dog. Heather would love a dog. I don't, I'm fine. I love other people's dogs. I don't want to have to deal with a dog myself because I don't want to a spend an hour a day dealing with the dog and taking it for walks and that kind of stuff. And also if I have to go somewhere and I don't want to have to worry, Oh, where's the dog going to do and all this kind of stuff because I like playing with the dog, but I'd love to keep my life in a way that I can do the work that I want to do. So I'm going to decide not to get that pet. You know what I'm saying? It's a minor thing. There's lots of things like that in my life that I, that I've, uh, that I making stuff means more to me than that does. Sure. You know, but you also have a, a a profession that you could get a call during the show that says, Hey, Bill, can you be in Cincinnati for three days for a shoot? Yeah. And you go, yeah. Okay. And you call Heather and you say, I got to go to Cincinnati for three days. Yes. Yeah. So, and I, I like, I like having my life. It's funny. It's like you can put stakes in the ground and they give you security, right? They say, oh, I know where home is and, 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 and I know, you know, there, there's, there's, there's lots to be said for that. 
for me, a lot of times putting stakes in the ground means that I have a chain on my ankle. Um, hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So you don't, it's not the security. It's, it's, it's almost holding you back. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't find it. I don't find it. Yeah. I don't see safety. I see, uh, uh, encumbrance. And do you think that's your personality or do you tie that directly with this idea of, of being almost an itinerant artist? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like uh, George Clooney and up in the air, you know, he lives in a backpack. Sure. Um, the, the, the there's there's something and it's not romantic about that but there's something that is sort of like yeah like i like the idea that because then then the future and 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 what you're making and all that kind of stuff is 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 limitless you know so there's romance mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. like there's nothing well, stopping it, it, me from making the best thing that i've ever made today sure sure but the reality the freelance reality is always hovering sure the reality of yeah. of you know, I mean, to go from a steady income, um, a good steady income, as as both of us have done, to not knowing when or if the next check is going to come in, that takes a, a really big shift in mindset. Yes. And I, I, you know, I know several people who are considering they're just at the point where they're making enough from their photography or, or some other creative endeavor. Um, that they go, well, you know, I, I think I can do that permanently. Mm-hmm. And, and my advice is, is often the same. It's, yeah, you think you can do that permanently this month and maybe next month, but you don't know where that's going to come from 90 days from now. 120 Jeffrey Sidoris, destroyer of dreams. Destroy- <laughs> no, I mean, still go for it. But, no. but it, takes, it takes an enormous amount of, of discipline to go – from that one side of the fence to the other side of the fence. And it may not, that grass may not be greener when you get there. True. And, and it's somewhat of a thankless, you know, it's like just because you do this doesn't mean it's going to work out. And just because you do this doesn't mean, uh, that people are going to say, Oh, look how brave you were for, you know, quitting right. your job They're Most of the people are probably going to say, wow, what an idiot for quitting your job. Right. Um, I, I know my parents did. When I, when I told them what, first of all, when I told them what I wanted to do, they were, you know, um, but the, the, the upside of that is I think what, what you touched on is you do get to create something and, and if you're lucky, you get to create something kind of cool. Um, you know, and, and if you're, if you're really lucky, you get to help other people while you're doing all of that, you know, going, going back to John Keatley for a minute, you know, he's been able to use photography as a vehicle for providing clean drinking water or sure. helping uh, bring awareness to, uh, you know, uh, the sex trade. Um, and, and that's something that, that, that so goes beyond, uh, I would imagine anyway, uh, what he thought he would do with his career. And it's got to give just another level of, of meaning Every time you pick up the camera, knowing that you've, you've got this ability to, to do that. You yeah, know what I mean? no, absolutely. Uh, I guess the question is if he gets to the point where, um, the, 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 the work that he's making that makes people give more money to the charities, what if he wants to change and do different work that doesn't make as much money for the charity? Does he, does he have to yeah. keep making the work he was making? Cause that's what sells quote unquote. Sure. You know, I mean, essentially, he people like that have clients too. It's just that you know their client their money's going somewhere different. You know, mm-hmm. um, but the same questions come up. 
over time. Sure. Um, sure. It, you know, somebody wrote us this week, this guy, Rick Paulson. Uh, thanks for the show. Blah, blah, blah. He's listened to them all. He looks forward to more. He's, he said, uh, I'd love to hear how criticism of your images shapes the direction of your work. That's a, that's a great question. It is a great question. Um, do you want to tackle that? Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, you've touched on it a little right. bit with the portrait. Well, for me, stuff, stuff changes. It's changed over time. I've gotten much better at taking people's criticism and, and the more well known I become, the less I worry about that kind of stuff because it's sort of the whole, you know, you can't make everybody happy. Sure. And whenever anybody comments on my pictures, I always think I can never make everybody happy. You know, uh, th- th- there will be friends of mine who are art people and I'll put up some picture I took that I think is pretty great. And like, they'll just be like, eh, you know, and then they'll post something else by somebody else, like a week later, that is just God awful. In my opinion, you know, some, not even a picture, just, you know, mm-hmm. Oh, it's somebody who paints plates and that's what they do. And they're like, Oh, look how amazing this plate is. And I'll be like, wait a minute, you like that plate, but you didn't like this other thing I did, <laughs> you know? And that just reminds me that you can't, you you, you, you can't, um, you can't worry about whatever one thinks, right? Okay. Uh, in some what ways, criticism, what criticism hurts the most for you? Criticism on the professional work that you're arguably more widely known for, right? Or criticism on a personal project like 365 or Drabbles or, or Motion or something um, like that. What, what, do you, what affects you more? Ooh. I would probably say it's easier to defend my personal work in my own head mm-hmm. because if you don't like it, I still had all the power and I did what I wanted with it. So if you don't like it, go suck it. Um, where when you have clients and stuff, you're like, wow, I, I basically denigrated myself. Not, not that you're denigrating yourself for all your clients, but I like, I made the kind of pictures you wanted me to make for whatever it is, a magazine or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And after all that, you still didn't like it. <laughs> like, you know, um, that's frustrating. Um, but uh, all that kind of stuff's really weird. Uh, criticism in general. Um, what people think of you, you have to get to the point where what people think doesn't matter. You know, is um, it necessary? I mean, is, is criticism, const- do, do we need to be criticized? Is our, yeah. you know, there, there's the adage of, you know, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. But at some point, do you need to yeah. say, look, your, your work is just, it's not doing it. Right. Right. No, uh, it, I had, um, I've, I've had discussions with, you know, shrinks and that kind of stuff over the years, uh, because I am very, um, just general people who know psychological stuff. And I'll say, you know, what really bothers me is it really personally bothers me if somebody doesn't like my work and they say, well, why does somebody have to like your work? You know, like what, what, shouldn't you be doing it for yourself? And I said, yeah, well that's fine. But then, then I could be the guy in the woods, you know, making art out of new wet newspaper and thinking that I'm a freaking genius, but I'm just some crazy guy in the woods with wet newspaper. You know, like if, 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 if you get no sort of reaction positive or negative from the outside world, it's like, I don't, I don't live for the reactions of other people, but at the same time you need some sort of, uh, information coming from sure. the outside, some reaction to it, some sort of validation, yeah. either positive or negative. Yeah. And it's not even, it's, I mean, yes, validation is there and that's nice, but even just 
all kinds of information just so you have some idea of where to put it on the general scope of art, you know? Okay. Um, uh, it bothers me. You know, it's funny because it bothers me more. If you don't like my work, like, Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't really like that picture. I don't like pictures like that. That's fine. You were saying what bothers me most. What bothers me most is if somebody says that I didn't do a good job on it, you know, if, if that strikes you more personally. Yes. Okay. From, from either a technical point of view or a just, you know, basically somebody saying I'm a bad photographer, not like, Oh, okay. I don't re- you know, I don't particularly like that picture, but somebody saying that's not a good picture, you know? And do you, do you feel it's because your skill set has been called into question rather than just the aesthetics of, I may not like this image. I think that you can, I can discount somebody who doesn't like my, my pictures from an aesthetic point of view, because you know what, you can have your opinion and that's fine. Mm-hmm. but I am, I, the reason why, one of the reasons why I like photography is because of the art side and of the science side and the way the two interact. And I love the science side of photography and I like the technical stuff. Um, and so if somebody is attacking my picture saying it's not a good picture, it's like, well, I'm pretty serious stickler anal nuts guy about the technical side of photography. And that's not just, I mean, that's sharpness and all that kind of stuff, but it's also like composition and, and overall, like what I'm trying to say about it and all that kind of stuff. Hey, how, so, how often do you calibrate your screen? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Once every two weeks. Um, but, but if somebody's attacking me for that kind of stuff, it's kind of like, well, I really take that stuff seriously. So sure. it's, it's implying that you haven't done your homework it's exactly. for this thing you supposedly love yeah, and are like passionate it's, about. It's, it's, it's implying that I don't have the skills to take pictures that you would like, even if, you know, you could possibly ever like my, you could never like my pictures because my pictures just aren't good enough for you to like. Not. Okay. I wow. Just, interesting. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's how I take it in my own head, which is a very dangerous place to go. Sure. Um, cause then you start well, it, questioning that, that everything goes you back do. To being, to being debilitated by, by criticism. Yeah. I mean, it, it can, if it hits you the wrong way and it, it could be because you had, uh, you know, a bad conversation with, with Heather, or you saw something, you know, whatever it, it is, it, it's going to hit you differently, but it hits you in such a way that it just absolutely cripples you. Right. I, I, you know, uh, uh, my friend Claude and I had a conversation yesterday and, uh, we were talking about some friends of ours who, you know, people we know, not even friends, people we know who, you know, will go out and get a camera and then claim their photographer or whatever it is. Right. Like they go and they get a bass guitar and they claim to be a musician. And I was just saying how, for me, I wouldn't claim that I was a musician until I was really, really good. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like I would sit at home practicing until I got to the point where I could stand up there and say, Oh, I'm a bassist. And somebody could ask me to play bass and I would play whatever it is they needed me to play. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, like there needs to be a requisite level of quality to what I do before I'd even claim to be that. Right. So for many years, I didn't want to claim to be a photographer because I didn't think I was good enough. Now there are a lot of people who throw all this stuff to the wind and just say, you know what, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to be, a, I got a base. I'm going to go sit in at the thing, even though I have no idea how to play bass and that's how I'm going to get better. And I'm a bassist and I'm a musician. Um, where and quad- for some people that works and for some people that works for me, yeah. there's, not a lack of well, a lack of respect for whatever it is you want to do if you just jump in and claim to be that from day one. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Sure. Like I have more respect for being a musician, enough respect for being a musician and other musicians that I won't claim to be a musician until I'm at their level. 
Okay. You know. Um, and, and is this, is this, it sounds like it, you, you carry this through to anything that you attempt and make widely known that you have attempted. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've, I've, I've tried painting with oil paints. I'm a terrible painter with oil paints, you know, mm-hmm. but I've done it and there are canvases at my house with oil paint on them that I put on it. Do I claim to be a painter? God, no. Right. You know, never, <laughs> never. Uh, it's like my grandfather used to say, everyone claims to be a songwriter nowadays. Um, okay so that actually brings uh, did you want to talk about this 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 other question that we got about the 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 getting into you want to save that uh getting into photography because it's kind of it kind of fits yeah okay let's let's okay uh somebody else wrote in uh marari martinez i hope i'm not butchering your name i probably am and i apologize uh and and she writes i'm a newbie wanting to get into photography so i would like your advice i know that there are different types of DSLRs nowadays, but how do I go about choosing the right one? I've done some research, but I tend to feel bogged down. Any suggestions? Do you want to tackle that? Different types of digital SLRs. I mean, I guess there's, you know, crop sensors and not crop sensors. Um, mm-hmm. There's also, you know, people might get confused by the whole SLR thing, the single lens reflex, um, that they think that any camera with interchangeable lens is an SLR, which it's not. Um, but that gets in a whole bunch of definition stuff, which we can link to or something in the show notes. Um, I, mean, I would want to qualify. Is this, do you, are you looking to do this as your profession and or what, are, are you, you looking for a DSLR? Yeah. What do you need the camera for? Yeah. It's and, and, and that the right tool for the right job. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't generally carry a camera with me and a lot of people do. And, and, and I think people who carry cameras with them all the time. You carry a camera a lot, don't you? Uh, I, I used to carry my, I have a Lumix LX3 that I would use to carry all the time. But since I got my phone, I'm really enjoying taking pictures with the iPhone. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people are going to say, Oh, it's not a camera. Well, you're right. It's not a 34 megapixel ISO 6400 capable camera, but I'm finding that I'm enjoying the process of shooting sure. with it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and so, yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of questions and I think, you know, I think the trick with somebody like her, it's a her, right? So am I getting yes. Right? Okay. Um, what she should do is, I mean, yes, there's doing research on the internet, but there's also going out and talking to some of your photographer friends, you know, cause mm-hmm. I'm sure somebody has cameras that you can play with. It seems like everyone has a camera nowadays. Um, I guess, I guess the other thing I would say is that almost any camera you buy nowadays, if you're actually talking about SLRs and digital SLRs, you cannot go wrong. There is no digital SLR out there that is a bad camera. Sure. Um, especially if you stay in the Canon, Nikon, maybe Sony kind of world. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you could spend $500 and get rid of these crazy cameras. You know that that new, what is it, the 5000, that new Nikon, the crop 26 megapixel, 25 megapixel crop sensor camera? Is, is it the D D fifty one hundred? I think? 5100, 5000, something like that. Something right? like that. It's got the little flip yeah. out lens and whatnot is, or is, uh, screen. Is it's like six hundred dollars with a kit yeah. lens? Yeah, $600. and now Canon Canon just released the or I don't know if it has been released, but they've announced the T four I. Oh, they have. I mean, crazy specs on this camera for yeah. six seven hundred bucks. So you, I mean, you really honestly cannot go wrong, and any of those cameras in the right hands will do anything you want it to do. Um, and if you're just starting out, any one of those or any of the cameras that have been made in the last four years. If you want to get somebody else's, you know, it's all about just getting something and starting to take pictures. Gear is gear is gear. 
there will always be new gear. There will always be old gear and pictures. Have been there taken. will always be better gear than what yes. you just bought. <laughs> and, and, and any, any camera it's, it's really, look, it's about the pictures and sure. the more that you shoot, the more that you will figure out what it is. That's a, if there is a limitation in your camera, you know, uh, I don't, you know, it's not, I, I shoot in low light and this thing is really noisy. Okay. You'll only figure that out by getting a camera and just taking a lot of pictures. And mm-hmm. then you will learn what the, wow, why is it so noisy? And then you can look up why it's noisy. And then you can figure out that, oh, next time you update, you want to get this because that's the kind of pictures you take. Um, so there's certainly no, you know, it's like saying to somebody, what's the right car to buy? You know? Sure. Uh, well, if, you know, if you want a tiny Depends little, on what you, right. What you if you just use. need some little beater and you get a Toyota Tercel and you drive it for 250,000 miles or you're my friend and buys a Porsche GT3. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, generally though, aren't you just kind of amazed by, by the, the Porsche quality GT3? Of, of the tools oh. yeah, well, by that too, but by the, by the quality of the tools that are available now. Oh yeah. Uh, like Claude said yesterday, my buddy Claude, like anybody who complains about their tools is insane. Like we, we have so much now you, you have, you have the bounty of a thousand gods now and, and anybody who complains is out of their mind or they're using it wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, you're holding it wrong. Isn't that what Steve Jobs used to say? Yeah, you're holding it wrong. So, uh, I, I think that's I, a I hope that, part of it. Yeah. I hope Marari, I, again, I'm probably butchering your name. I hope that that helps. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, I say go take a look at, at, at several bodies and get the one that feels the best in your hand because yeah. they're, they're like Bill said, they're, they're all going to do really yeah. amazing jobs by Although, and large. You know, it's funny when I was at Adorami yesterday, I was, uh, Claude was playing with a new lens he was buying and they pulled out some little crop sensor Nikon, you know, 3000, 30, whatever, you know, all those different cameras. And Claude puts the, puts the lens on and it took us like 30 seconds to figure out how to change the aperture. Because you have to like hold down this button and twist this thing. It's funny when you get into the higher end cameras that have sort of a separate knob for everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When you go back to the lower end cameras and it involves like doing, you know, everything's twister. kind of a menu. It's item. like finger twister to get sure. anything to work. Yeah, it's uh, you could. Uh, it, those are the kinds of things that you're paying for a lot of times when you go to higher end cameras, you know. Uh, ergonomic and things stuff. like weather sealing and and sure. durability. Yeah. Um, and the and the ability know. to take a great picture by anybody, you know, when you buy a $5,000 camera, you can just hand it to, you know, the gardener and he'll take a great picture. <laughs> true. Right. Isn't that true? Is that, is that the way it works? Yeah. Uh, that's the way it works. Um, <laughs> well, then right. you need to get a better gardener. That's oh, all. Oh man. You know what we didn't do this week? We forgot. <laughs> do we have a photographer? Oh, you know what? We don't. Um, oh, very, very bad. That's bad. We we forgot to talk about that. Uh, um, right. Well, I guess we'll have to do two next week then. Yeah, we'll do a couple next week. Okay. Completely forgot about that. Sorry about that. Um, we got wrapped up in inspiration. Inspiration's good though. Uh, you know, right in. What inspires you guys? Yeah. Where Where do you go when when you are feeling like your photos are horrible and uh, you know you want to sell your gear and go work at Starbucks or Home Depot or something? They don't hire photographers. You have no skills. <laughs> wow. You're just, you're going to piss off a lot of people again. Oh, it's one of those days. We're going to get more hate mail. It's just one of those days. You know, you know what else? Uh, one last thing that drives me nuts. Sometimes I'll take pictures. Is there of just one last yeah. thing that really drives you? Nuts? Well, sometimes I'll take pictures of people um, and I'll let them use the pictures for like online use and that kind of stuff. 
But if they want to use it for fancier, like more commercial stuff, I ask that they pay me X amount of dollars. And so if I, if I just want to use it for Facebook or something, you don't care. Well, I mean, certain kinds of people that like, you know, I've met or I've contacted and, you know, oh yeah, like I'd love to take your picture. You know, you're on my list and I go take their picture and it's fine if they use it for, you know, yeah, they use it on Twitter and Facebook. Fine. But if they then want to like start doing talks and want to use this picture as the back of their book or whatever it is like, okay, well then you should pay me. Um, there are times when I do that and I'll say, well, yeah, I can get you that picture, but you know, I love it if we could work something out since you're going to start making money on it. Uh, and when people don't write me back at all from that email, that drives me nuts. Would, would you rather have a, no, I don't think so. Then I'd than almost just be rather have them off. write and say, Oh, you know what? I wasn't planning on speaking using, any, uh, I love the picture, but I, you know, I don't have the money for it right now. So I'm going to use this other picture. Like I'd rather have that. Cause by not even writing me back, that just sort of says, screw that guy. He wants, do you make the assumption that they are going to go ahead and use the photograph? Well, no, because most of the time they don't have high res anyway, you know, Ah, okay. but, but you understand what I'm saying? Like there's sort of an implied sort of who is he for even asking yeah. to get paid for his work? Well, there was a, you know, one thing, one more, just one more thing. Sure. Uh, there was a band. Oh, recently. I saw that I, article. Did you see that? Where yeah. the, I, I forget the name of the band. Maybe you, you've got it so handy. I don't, but he, so he took a picture, the band used it on their Facebook page. He asked them, Hey, if you're going to use it on your Facebook page, how about you pay me? And they took it off. Uh, and then the guy who runs the page was like, oh, we had to take that down because uh, the photographer like wanted to get paid for it. Right. They made a like big that. deal that this photographer wanted to yeah. be compensated. How dare for, he? Yeah. Crazy world, man. Yeah. Enjoy selling your records, dude. <laughs> I'm just going to go get it on BitTorrent. Um, yeah. L- luckily, most photographers don't have their pictures on BitTorrent or else we'd really be in trouble. That's, that's, but, that's the next thing. But the there? flip side is, is that there's a client today from an editorial shoot I did a while back and she went and bought all six pictures that I sent her to take a look at. So, Which is cool. Right. So there, there are, you know, you go one time you say, Hey, you got to pay for that. And somebody goes, screw that. And then the other side, somebody goes, Oh sure. I'm happy to. That's cheap. So you See, really, so, you have no, you know. it's, it's just, you can't anytime anybody makes a comment, whether it's this picture's good, this picture's bad. You have no idea where they're coming from. Maybe they have absolutely no taste. Maybe they're super cheap. Maybe they're, you know, you just have no idea. Right. I think the but guy- I think it's, it's, it's incumbent on you to uh, at least attempt to qualify that. No, absolutely. But I think like maybe the guy upstate, maybe what he wanted me to do was go, oh, you know what? Uh, fine. I just want to get this done. Just give me $1,000 and you can have them. Maybe he was hmm. just trying to basically get stuff out of me for cheaper. Like sure. this was his like big gambit all along. You right, know? right. So that kind of stuff happens too, which is crazy. Um, but you know, you, you can't you can't play these games all day long. You're you just so keep crazy. doing the work. My, yeah. my my friend Mike told me over and over and over again. You you just just keep doing the work. Yeah. And that's I think what just keep shooting, keep getting inspired, keep looking at art, listen to music, go to the museum, go to a gallery opening. Yeah, I went to the, the Natural world. History Museum this weekend. It was pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. If you want to get a hold of us, uh, podcast at ontakingpictures.com will send us an email. Uh, we are, uh, if you go to ontakingpictures.com slash podcast, you should get a list of the last few podcasts, uh, and a link to the iTunes page where you can subscribe to our work. Yep. And we would love for you to do that. Yeah. Let us know what you think. Um, hope you enjoyed it and yeah. we'll uh, see you next week. Excellent. All right. <laughs>